Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Hello to you and yours. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, and it is officially camp week. The Vols will open camp this week. They'll meet with the media on Tuesday, and then there we go. And I asked a certain person within the program, I said, when do you guys go in pads? Because that used to be a big deal. He goes, it doesn't really matter. We go in uh, pretty much full, even without pads. So, With the elimination of the freshman-only day, which, Caleb, you probably don't remember, that was in the late 90s. You'd have just the freshman run out there, and they'll have a bit of an acclimation period. But for the most part, camp starts when camp starts, and that means it's physical. It is going to be high intensity. It's good to go, and that's the way colleges have to do it nowadays because they lost some of those acclimation days. So first of all, Caleb, how are you, sir? We've got a loaded show. I'm good. It's like the it's like the advent calendar for college football. That's what I call like the first week of fall camp. What is the advent calendar? Well, you know, like the the sun each Sunday in Advent in December leading up to Christmas when you go to church, like they recognize the first day of Advent and the Christmas. Oh, season. that thing on Bad Santa. When you un- know, bad when Santa? you un- and you get the chocolates. Is that what it is? That was that it? I don't remember Bad Santa. I saw it once and thought it was overrated. <laughs> thought it was pretty good, but I don't know what that says about me. All right, so a lot to get to on the program, including the top stories of fall camp. And uh, also, we'll talk a little bit of recruiting as uh, Tennessee might have some things shake out there later on the program. And also, uh, coming up today, we will have the players most likely to make a push in fall camp. And I've got a group of guys that I think will make a push. The top storylines, you know, we're going to include Joe Milton as well. And Joe Milton getting dissed a little bit by our buddy, uh, Mike Farrell, who did not have him among the top 25 quarterbacks in the nation. And 34 players signed by the Vols in 2021. How many are still with him? A great piece by Patrick Brown of 247 Sports. We'll go through that. And it is Hugh Freeze a threat? in recruiting who is the top threat just off the top of your head in recruiting other than georgia alabama which you and i would agree all things being equal 
Georgia and Alabama right now, maybe not for long, but right now are going to win more battles than they lose against Tennessee. So other than those two schools, who are the biggest threats to Tennessee in recruiting right now, do you think? Before we get into that deeper, Caleb, give me give me the first school off the top of your head. First school off the top of my – obviously, it's Vanderbilt. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, guys. I'm joking. I, I would – right off the top, I would say South Carolina. You would? Okay. South Carolina. There we go. Or Clemson. I would just say the South Carolina-Clemson teams. Okay, fair enough. I kept it to SEC schools, but we can uh, certainly mess around with that. Let's get to it right now. Five fall camp storylines surrounding the balls. You can read this on offthehooksports.com. It is there. And I'm going to go – can I pare it down just a little bit? Good morning, Billy, to you. Because I'm going to take out Joe Milton. Because that's the number one, right? And you've got it as number one. And I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to uh, give away the ending there. But uh, how much has Joe Milton developed? That's number one, right? And we'll know that within a couple of weeks, I would think. And not just develop, but on the same page as his wide receivers, which talking to Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton at SEC Media Days, that's oftentimes the reason for some of those errant throws. So I'm going to take that one and let's address first, first, which we usually don't do. But Joe Milton, how much has he developed? I don't know how much we'll hear during fall camp because they keep it pretty tight, but we'll see enough to know whether he's on the same page as his receiver. So that is the biggest storyline by far, correct? Yes, and I'm one who likes to go out on a limb for predictions, but they have to be reasonable. They can't be picking Vanderbilt to win the SEC like five writers did two weeks ago. Like, and, and not having Joe Milton's development, number one, would be like picking Vanderbilt to win the SEC. You're not serious if you don't think Joe Milton, the question surrounding Joe Milton are the biggest que- is the biggest question surrounding Tennessee football this year. You're right. We've heard everything we've heard in the offseason has been good about Joe Milton. Everything. To a point, Dave, I don't know if you know a time. Have you ever heard this much po- this much positive coverage for a quarterback and then they turned out to just completely flop in the season? I can't think of one. Oh, wow. Well, you'd have to say Jonathan Crompton, right? Was, uh, was he his, getting, I mean, he was all season with as, Dave Clawson. Was he getting that type of hype, though? Well, he was hyped as a recruit and didn't pan out. Does that count? No, I, I, I know a lot of hyped quarterbacks as recruits that didn't pan out. I'm talking about quarterbacks that the all-season, you heard nothing but good about the quarterback in an all-season to the point to where, like, the, you've heard the rumblings on campus. You're closer to campus than I am at this point. And everything you've heard is it's as good as you could expect it to be with Joe Milton. And yeah, that's what I'll I've take, heard, too. Then I'll take Jonathan off the list because there was, uh, you know, hurt coming in. There was B.J. Coleman when he was healthy. So you were always wondering, this is – Solely one quarterback that Tennessee expects to take over. And yes, we've heard absolutely fantastic things from Joe. But the other four questions fit right in with what we like to do. And it's called Four Downs. And it's brought to you by Zen Sports. Changing gambling in Tennessee. Four Downs is now. Four Downs. Four Questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. So we're going to touch base on 
running back, linebacker, offensive line, and the secondary. The linebackers somehow avoided our spotlight, but we'll get to them eventually. So we'll start with first down, talking linebackers, and it's brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. And you know what I'm talking about. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume with your first 15 days. When you sign up with the promo code HOOKED, that's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards as well. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better and it got a lot better. I was playing with the app this weekend. Pretty darn cool. So let's get to it. First down. What down is it, Cooper Mays? Coop here. First down. Thank you very much. Will Arian Carter make a push at linebacker? So we did address linebacker. Who was that? What was that? I guess I was thinking wide receivers. We did, We don't have receivers in this group, but Arian Carter, will he make a push at linebacker? So unlike the old 4-3 or 3-4 days, we're pretty much talking about two linebackers. And Caleb, correct me if I'm wrong, but we have a pretty good idea who the top two are, right? Yes, we pretty much expect it to be Keenan Peely and Aaron Beasley. It was pretty obvious Tennessee took Keenan Peely specifically to replace Jeremy Banks. And Aaron Beasley is a returning starter. So, yes, those two, we we expect them to start. So, what do you define Arian Carter making a push as? Because he will make a push. He will get on the field. I even wonder if he's athletic enough in some running downs to maybe slide into that nickel position and have a a little bit more of a traditional 4-3. That's me going out on a limb. That's nothing I've been told. But will Arian Carter make a push in preseason camp? Yes, I think he will, and I that's exactly what I predicted. I think you might see Tennessee do more traditional 4-3 defenses this year. I mean, this would be, given the questions in the secondary which then and, and things we know that are issues on defense, this would probably be the best year for them to have one of those standard 4-3 Chavis-style seasons. Remember how Chavis was all these blitz packages and drop the, drop the secondary in zone and just hope that the blitz packages would force errant throws? And you might see a lot more of that this year with Arian Carter. I could certainly see that. And with uh, Arian Carter, I believe he will make a push. Is it... As a freshman, is it a push enough to overcome Beasley or Peely? Probably not, but they'll find ways to get him on the field. I firmly believe that with some sort of rotation. Maybe he's part of their pass rush package uh, when it is passing downs. Maybe he's um, a, a bigger nickel back on running downs, but they're going to find a way to get him on the field, no doubt about it. Second down. Uh, you said Nickelback. I knew you were a fan. Did I say Nickelback? You said Nickelback. What I, did find a good, I found a good band over the weekend. Portishead. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't, actually. I Check to... them out. I'm getting hipper. I'm getting hipper by the day. Second down, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. All right. Superstars at defensive tackle. I, I'm going to tell you, you. You tell me who can be a superstar at 
linebacker or defensive tackle, excuse me. And I'm going to tell you who should be if he's mentally ready. And this comes from people with inside the program. I mean, I think the clear one is Amari Thomas. Josh Heupel didn't send him to SEC media days for no reason. And I mean, I thought that he was, he proved himself good last year. He proved himself to be a good defensive tackle, but he's got the, so he's got the experience, he's got the production and he's got the size. What's holding him back from being a superstar? Okay. I think he'll be a starter. I think he will be in my Tony Bennett, Bennett voice that somebody uh, uh, asked for. It's going to be a crazy good cat on the defensive line. But I think that uh, there is only one superstar right now, physically, that could take over games. I think that's Elijah Simmons. And I know that he – oh, he was asking about Bennett, not Tony Bennett. Okay. Sorry. Bennett Warren, the recruit. Bennett Warren, the recruit. Okay, sorry. I thought he wanted my Tony. I was so happy about that. Okay, we'll get to Bennett Warren. The guy who should make the the biggest impact, the most physically gifted, is Elijah Simmons. As somebody told me within the program, he should be putting people in trash cans on a regular basis. So, is he agile enough for that, though? I've, wasn't that always the question with Elijah Simmons, that he could – because he's I, in a 4-3. Yeah, yeah I, I, was, I was told he's – He's one of the now that Darnell Bennett, uh, Darnell Wright's gone, he is one of the more athletic big men on the team. So we'll see if he takes that step. He needs that angry edge, and he's a nice guy and he sings the national anthem, and that's fantastic. But he needs the angry edge, Caleb. And if he gets that, you know, Albert Hainsworth didn't have that when he. When he showed up to the NFL, and Jeff Fisher says, "You just got to get angry during plays." Now that went a little bit too far. Did he start stomping on players' eyes? And yeah, against the Dallas Cowboys. But he said he would he would flip a switch and he would almost see red during the game. Elijah Simmons needs to talk to Albert Hainsworth. And I but think the Elijah- problem is like those players sometimes have trouble turning it off. Like Albert Hainsworth, like you said, like he probably was in at the NFL because he had some issues in college, i.e., chasing Will Often, who's with a ten foot pole. And so, I mean, greatest practice moment of all time, and it's not even close. He <laughs> says he was missing the Tony Bennett. Well, you got it back, you crazy cat. All right. So, uh, I think it's it should be suit. You use the word superstar, not me. Okay. You didn't say best defensive tackle. You use superstar in your column. That should be Elijah Simmons, based off what I'm told. Uh, so we got. Uh, what down are we? Coop, I lose track of downs. That's why I keep you around. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. All right. Third down, the offensive line rotation. What will it be? How do you see that shaking out, Caleb? My prediction is there's still the same alternation that happened between Gerald Mincy and J.J. Crawford last year at left tackle. It's going to happen at right tackle. Because based on what reporting we've heard, even though Gerald Mincy's better, he doesn't seem mentally equipped to lock down that spot for the whole season yet. He just doesn't seem mentally there to be able to do that yet. May I sound like a broken record? Because I asked about those two guys last week. Mm-hmm. Um, mentally equipped or not, I don't know. But he, he needs to be meaner than darn it, just like Simmons. He needs to be meaner than darn it. Either get it and, and, and move forward and be a great player, he is significantly more gifted than Crawford. So they're either going to have to go with the guy that is 
not as gifted, but plays hard all the time, or they're going to have to go with the guy who is more talented, but might misstep and might not be aggressive because of his uncertainty. So I can tell you that's the question at right tackle from within inside the program. What else you got? Um, okay. So then we go to the left side and I think, I think John Campbell Jr. is going to lock down that left tackle position. I don't know what you've heard, but I, I do told. think he's going to lock. So it sounds like left guard is the biggest question then. Andre Carrick, maybe? Would you say him? I think it'll end up being Carrick. I, I, you know, I think Jordan Addison has a lot of ability to play somewhere. But, again, he has to that, – that switch has to flip in, in which he's – physically mean all the time they got a they got a two or three guys up front that need to be meaner but if i had to put my money on it i would say carrick at left guard and then of course cooper mays at center and then what do you think of right guard that one's obvious Chibata Spragans. yeah it's Spragans, no question about it but i think you got questions at left guard and right tackle based off a conversation that i had with somebody within the program just last week so there you go inside information that we bring to you each weekday at 10 brought to you today by zen sports so we're already at fourth down and we're running faster than the josh heupel offense tennessee center cooper mays here third down oh that's third down all sec center cooper mays here fourth down thank you Coop. get the snap count correct come on uh who steps up this in the, the second- missouri colorado 1990 game exactly what i was thinking we spend too much time together who steps up in the secondary the question it's the question of the year for Tennessee. Save the toughest for last, did I? So Tennessee returns a strong safety in Jalen McCullough, who has some legal issues, so we don't know when or if he'll see the field this year. He should, I think, but that's a different story. Wesley Walker came on strong at free safety last year. So I'm gonna go Wesley Walker. I think Wesley Walker is the most sure bet to kind of break out this year at safety for Tennessee. What do you think about Danico Slaughter? I hear he's they're thinking he's going to lock down a cornerback spot this year. And wasn't he alternating at nickel last year? Yeah. And, and he played some corner. This is not inside information, but I will ask about it since you brought up the question and I feel a little uh, unprepared. I think that I think there's a star in him somewhere as a lockdown corner. Really? That's just watching his hips and what he did last year and hearing some stuff way, way back months ago. But I'll ask about him this week and see what I can figure out. We'll have it later on the program for uh, Danico Slaughter. But other than that, who are some candidates, Caleb? You're looking at Warren Burrell's back healthy after missing all of last year, starting with the Pittsburgh game. I was a I, – have you turned into a thinks but no thinks guy for Kamal Haddon, or do you think that – he has potential. I thought he had a lot of potential when he transferred from Auburn two years ago, but he was awful last year in that important cornerback. I'm spot. pretty much a thanks, but no thanks, unless he cho- but proves me wrong. And I hope he does. But I'm pretty much a thanks, but no, you know, I'm right there. So um, I'm just not seeing that. Who else? Yeah, I, 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 I'm with that. So at that point, you go to Brandon. I'm, I'm looking at guys coming back first. Brandon Turnage, are you thinks, but no thinks, or do you see potential there? I see potential there. I definitely see. I see potential in a lot of these guys. It's just some of these guys have to go from starter to star, at least one. Yeah. 
And then you got Gabe Judah, the Valley, the BYU transfer, who's going to be on the field. We just don't know where he's going to be on the field. And then you got the freshman, Jordan Matthews, Ricky Gibson. One of them got to become a star. Yep, absolutely. I agree. All right, it is time for what the H? And this is a big what the H for me. And a guy that we like and we have on the program on a regular basis and I think does great work. What the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Joe Milton left off of Mike Farrell's top 25 quarterback rankings. Wow, wow, wow. Let's dig into that. Brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. With Andy Mason, you get the best price and the biz Best price and service in the biz, andymasonrealestate.com. I'm about to make a real estate move, so here we go. And I can tell you about it as we move along. So Joe Milton left off the top 25 of Mike Farrell's quarterback rankings. If I just came to you, bumped on you to the street on the street, and I said, uh, hey, I cover uh, Tennessee there, and you said, hey, I cover uh, Tennessee there too. Uh, and I said, would uh, that uh, Joe Milton the third junior esquire the second would he be on the top 25 list of quarterbacks what would be your immediate reaction without thinking through it it would easily be yes obviously it would easily be yes for me too okay but let's let's look at mike farrell's piece first before we pick it apart and some of the quarterbacks that are listed above him you got the Drake Mays and the Caleb Williams, and I, I got I got no problem with that. I see that uh, you know those guys are going to be up there towards the top. But what about some guys like I don't know uh, Cam Ward at Washington State, Gunnar Watson at Troy, uh, Jaden De, De Lara at Arizona. Uh, you got a bunch of guys that I think Joe Milton from the shoot is better than. And uh, he is 27th on this list. So he doesn't make the top 25. Those were guys that were later in the list. But right in front of him, you've got Curtis Rourke. You've got Drew Alar. You've got Grayson McGall. Uh, I, I just, I, I think Joe Milton looking at this list and placing him on the list would have him around the top 15. Why do I pick top 15? Because you got KJ Jefferson at Arkansas. And I think Joe Milton is every bit as good as KJ Jefferson and will, when all said and done, be better. So where would you have Joe Milton on this list? Certainly top 20. I might push for top 15. The most egregious name ahead of Joe Milton on this is Kate Klubnick. Did they not go head-to-head last year? They Kate Klubnick has no sample size really outside of last year's Tennessee game. When he went head-to-head with Joe Milton, and I know it was a bowl game, but Dave, come on, one looked like the far superior quarterback in that game, didn't he, to the other one? No, I, I, I agree. Um, he did. Uh, Travis says 25. Would you have him at 25? Um, the uh, say Every been- single SEC quarterback minus Vandy should be within the top 25. Yeah, it should. It's a down year quarterback for the SEC. I do think that Clemson's coaches tried to be a little cute in that game and put Cade Klubnick in some bad positions. So I won't just say that it's Cade Klubnick 
um, based on that, that he should be worse than Joe Milton. But Joe Milton did far outplay him. Um, at the end of the day, I think Cade Klubnick will be a better college quarterback. He's got more time to prove himself. That doesn't mean that Joe Milton won't go higher in the draft. But that's a very debatable and good question. Would you take for one season Cade Klubnick or Joe Milton? And I think based off the Orange Bowl, you could argue both sides, Caleb. Um, based off what I see in accuracy from Klubnick, I could argue him. But right now, it's got to be Joe Milton, I would think. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me who who I would rather – I can pick a quarterback to take, just period. I'm taking Klubnick because he is a sophomore, and I think he will be better than Milton long-term. I'm with you. But for this year and just this year alone, I, I think you've got to go with Joe Milton. And, look, if Joe Milton is down at number 27, Dave, we were all lied to by the coaches. We were lied – everybody lied to us about what they were saying with Joe Milton because – and also, if he's down at number 27 and he hasn't lost his starting job, then you got to be concerned about Nico Iamaliava long-term because it's how did he not beat out Joe Milton then? Yeah. Uh, I ask around based off one of your theories, which to me didn't sound right at the time. So you said Joe Milton was a pru- uh, was a hypo guy and Hendon Hooker was a Pruitt guy. And did that factor into the decision? I was told no doubt that it did. It did factor into the decision – and you also had the sports car. You, you had an, an Aston Martin next to a BMW. There's nothing wrong with a BMW. But you went out and you went to Europe to get the Aston Martin. And it's $180,000 or whatever it is. They looked at Joe Milton's physical ability and they said, wow. Um, and that wowed the coaches. But the fact that he was a Pruitt guy and the physical ability is why they went with Joe Milton in 2021. So you were spot on on that one you don't have to worry about that decision now unless joe milton struggles but um i, I would have joe milton in front of a couple of these guys um you know carson beck comes in at 22 how much do we really know about carson beck the other sec guys uh devin leary comes in at uh 23 i mentioned <coughs> pardon me kj jefferson in at 14 uh, going down the list, Drake May was number one. Caleb Williams was number two. Other SEC quarterbacks. Jaden uh, Daniels, number seven. Or Caden Daniels. Yeah, uh, Jaden Daniels. Daniels. I almost missed Jaden Daniels at number seven. Is he definitely the best quarterback in the SEC? I say so, Caleb, but I don't know that he is uh, seven spots better than K.J. Jefferson. I mean, I guess if you like Jaden Daniels that much, you should like K.J. Jefferson a little bit more. I'd take Jaden Daniels, but to me... I think Jaden Daniels enters the season the best quarterback in the SEC. Now, will he finish the season the best quarterback? I'm not sure. But K.J. Jefferson had a bad drop-off last year. And Jaden Daniels, after that Tennessee game, that was a different Jaden Daniels after that Tennessee game last year. So uh, it's we can't ignore what Jake Daniels did in October and November. No, uh, no doubt about it. All right, coming up. So I had a question from D. I thought Hooker was the Pruitt guy and Coach Hop got Joe. Yes, that is correct. Did I misspeak, Caleb? I think I got it right. Maybe one of us accidentally said Pruitt with Joe. But yeah, yeah. Hooker, Hooker was the Pruitt guy. Uh, Milton was the, was the, hypo, the hypo guy. guy. And not just Pruitt. Remember, Kate on Salter was at Tennessee at the time and he was kicked off the team because he had two arrests, but which were like nonviolent arrests for like weed. And I'm like, yeah, it was two. So you had the reason to kick him off. But at the same time, it was like, it was a weed arrest. And a part of me felt 
Heupel didn't really want Kate on Salter, and this was a way for him to like take a strong stance on discipline for a quarterback that he wasn't really going to start anyway. Yeah, he got pulled over, and they said, "What's well, that? That's a little case. You put your weed in there." Do you remember the old Saturday Night Live skit? I do not. With that, sorry. Yeah, everything <laughs> basically. They would go in a trinket store, and everything. Put your weed in there. Nobody, I tried to tell that joke over the weekend and nobody got it either. All right. So how many players are actually still with Tennessee's team from the 2021 recruiting class? If I asked this question, you would say, oh, there should be 12, 14. We should know a lot of their names. They should be big time contributors. The number is not that high. As a matter of fact, you can do it on one hand. Nice piece by Patrick Brown breaking that down. We'll have the number of players still on Tennessee's class or still on Tennessee's team from the 2021 recruiting class. And it ain't a lot. How about two minutes? And we'll have it broken down right after this off the hook sports. Sun, sand, and salt water. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler. And we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. When you want a hard cider that's easy to enjoy, one that's crafted to perfection, you need Tennessee Cider Company. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. With a selection of ciders free to sample, all it takes is one taste. Visit TNCiderCompany.com for more information, as well as to shop our ciders and merchandise online. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. Um, who's this guy? Hello, Wizard! The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Caleb Calhoun, how many players should still be on Tennessee's roster? There were no coaching changes. If there were no transfer portal, 
the way it is now from let's go back to old school football, which is teens. Isn't that old school? But how many players would you expect to be on Tennessee's 2021 recruiting class? So they would be coming into this season as depending on whether or not they redshirted, it, they would be coming in as juniors. You could have some sophomores who redshirted. How many w- would you expect? And I'll, I'll give a, a little bit of a hint. 34 players either signed or committed. This is a good piece by Patrick Brown. I go balls 24 seven, 34 players either signed or committed. Caleb, how many would you expect to still be on Tennessee's football team leading into their junior year? If we're back in old school football without the fluid transfer portal and, um, and without coaching turnover where guys are naturally going to leave. So factoring in decommitments, a couple of guys who still would transfer even in the old days, dismissals, and maybe one early departure for the NFL, too, at most. Factoring in all that, I would say if you signed or or got 34 commitments, 22 would still be with you. I was going to go 18. So we're we're still we're in the, we're in the exact same ballpark. Average it out to twenty. Now this is stunning. Four, four players are still on Tennessee's class or Tennessee's team from the twenty twenty one class. Is that the state of college football, or is that a red flag for the Vols? Or let me give you another option. Is that just what Tennessee has been because of coaching changes and coaching turnover? Which is it or all the above? It's coaching changes and coaching turnover. And for reference, I think nine players from the 2020 class are still on the roster. So they have more players, twice as many players from the 2020 roster as they do the 2021 recruiting class on the roster. So let me give you another option. This is just darn bad luck. Yes. And and for and to be fair, even though they had 34 people sign or commit on signing day that year, they only had 17 signees. Only 17 players actually signed with Tennessee. And that was because there was a wave of decommitments because one, Jeremy Pruitt was having a bad season. Tennessee was going three and seven that year. And then he got fired. And a lot of those players had committed to Jeremy Pruitt. So you expected you expected a lighter class than usual because of the coaching changes. You wouldn't expect four. And I think that's a major testament to the job Josh Heupel did. Because, let's, Dave, you were covering recruiting in the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. That 2007 class was a bust. Outside of Eric Berry, was a total bust, really. And then and then a few others. I'll give Gerald Jones credit and a few other guys. But it was mostly a bust, the 2007 class. And the 2009 class was, like, another level beyond a bust. I don't know how you could go beyond. It was even bigger of a bust than a bust. It was the historic bust of bust of all time. And that really did some serious damage to Tennessee in the early 2010s. It was hard for them to recover. Now, as as far as the commitments, I'll give the the, the coaching staff credit at the time. None of the commitments, because you can commit nowadays and a coach can stop calling you and you're going to go somewhere else and you're going to get the hint. It's not pulling a scholarship. You just stop calling them. And that used to be a big deal, but it's not. As far as the commitments, none of them went on to do great things elsewhere. So I would consider that a part of the talent evaluation. Um, 
aspect of what you're doing when you recruit you just if a guy doesn't develop into his senior year you just stop calling him and he's going to go somewhere else and he's going to get the hand well, we or know you Lane Kiffin didn't evaluate anybody <laughs> yeah or, or you just tell him here's here's an idea you should go elsewhere and they're going to take the hand you're not pulling scholarships that used to be a real no-no but that's the way you handle that's the way you handled it 20 years ago it's not that difficult but who are some of the guys that Caleb that when you look at this list that Tennessee would still like for them to be on their roster before we get to the guys that really panned out who are the guys that you look at and you would say man they could really help Tennessee in 2020 see that's just it I'm not sure there is one the only I agree I was looking <laughs> at this list and I was thinking man Tennessee really they they got really messed up by all these guys going elsewhere but Caleb that's really not the case there's I mean pick one dude off that class that you'd be like, oh man, if he were a Vol, we'd be having a different conversation. We'd go from 10 and 2 to 11 and 1, which is our preseason predictions we haven't totally given away, but I just did. So, Caleb, which guy? Is there a dude on there? I mean, outside of because and he's not, he didn't leave the team, he just graduated, but outside of Byron Young, who graduated, it's not like he was dismissed or transferred. Right. All right. That's the only one you would take back. No, I agree. And who are the winners? Who who did Tennessee win with, will continue to win with, and they won by getting their scholarship at Tennessee? Obviously, Jalen Wright. And then who else? Yep, Jalen Wright. I got to say, J.J. Crawford. You know, we kept thinking that, that he was a stopgap guy until other linemen came in, but as we just talked about, he's not losing that job to Gerald Mincy yet. He's still splitting reps with Gerald Mincy, even though Mincy should be more talented. So and a very highly respected player in that offensive line because he's kind of an overachiever type. Yes, exactly. I, I agree. Um, Deshaun Rucker is still on the roster. He's a defensive back. I'm not so sure how long he'll be on the roster. To be fair, but what, what is he doing? Does he run and go get the overthrown balls and bring them back to practice? <laughs> I mean, what, what really? I don't. He has blocked a punt to his to his credit, but. You know, he's got speed. Because usually, which is usually because of everybody else that blocks a punt. When you block a punt, usually it's because somebody else did something right or it's schemed. But anyway, all right, who else, Caleb? I mean, and then Christian Charles, who I thought was a rising star cornerback, but couldn't, he had speed, but couldn't really transition that to actually playing cornerback. And so, you know, but so really the two, all four of them are on scholarship. Congratulations. But it's J.J. Crawford and Jalen Wright. Yep. Hit that like and subscribe button. We want you to be a part of our coverage for football season. So excited to announce our lineup. We'll have regular guests, former balls and analysts each and every day. So we got a lot going on this week and final stages of the celebrate 98 book. Boy, that's been a bear. It's like having a child that you want out of your house immediately. Uh, That is coming out and we'll have additions of that to give away. So we've got a lot going on the fall. So hit the subscribe and also hit the like button. And if you haven't turned your notifications on, do that because we'll have post game, we'll have reacts from um, all, all kinds of uh, recruiting. As uh, we'll, that'll die down a little bit, but a lot going on in recruiting currently as kids are in preseason camp, so they're going to shut that down uh, uh, quite a bit. Travis said, "Here's a good name." Travis said, "I really liked Eric Gray. I did too. Why did I think Eric Gray was going to be such a good player? And what's he doing now?" Oh, I think he I think he was a good player. He just 
um, he ended up going to Oklahoma, and Brent Venables went there, and Brent Venables. Uh, what did he do? I know he played significantly, but what did he do last year for Venables? Uh, he, I'm looking up the stats now, and he's with the Giants, by the way. He's teammates with Jalen Hyatt, funny enough. Um, so to pull up Eric Gray last year with Oklahoma, he did have 1,366 yards last year. Had a six and a half yards per carry. Uh, 1,595 total yards, 11 touchdowns. So he did have a nice senior year. I don't, yeah, he was, he was, he went in the fifth round of the draft, 172nd pick. Would he have been a better back last year than Jalen Rod or Jabari Small? Yes. Yeah, yes. Tennessee fans don't want to admit that, but yes. But that's not a knock on Jabari Small or Jalen Wright at all. And it's not night and day. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not, but, but he was a step better. He was a little bit more elusive where those guys are more straight-ahead runners. Jalen has some wiggle, though. I don't want to short-sell Jalen's wiggle. That's the issue with the running back market in the NFL right now. There is no night and day between running backs anymore. I mean, yes, some are better than others, but there's not a night and day difference at all. Does that filter down to college? Yeah, I think it does. I, I just think I, – I, I talked about this last week. I think the problem with running backs is there are too many good ones now. They're just – it's not like quarterbacks. Can I try to catch you off guard real quick? Sure. Who's the best running back in college football now? Best running back in – like right now. Right, right now. Right this second. Uh, 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 wouldn't it be Blake Corum, the, the Heisman candidate for Michigan? Yeah, take Blake Quorum, if you will. Who's second? I mean, there's not a major difference with the way offenses are run, so you're seeing that in the NFL. I think you're going to see that in college football. Would I rather have um, the group that Tennessee has as opposed to a air quote special back? Probably, uh, because you're risking injury if you rely all on one guy. I mean, what Tennessee has now and – Selden Small and Wright is kind of a poor man's uh, Garner Hayden. Who, who am I putting together? There's there's two different James uh, Stewart, yeah. Charlie Garner, Aaron Hayden, Moe yeah. Phillips. Yeah, yeah. You include Moe Phillips in that. He played fullback, but anyway, <laughs> because he had the greatest run I've ever seen. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. And then um, they kind of have a mini version of that going on uh sc sc scout guy said bryce thompson was on uh sc radio this morning he said he always wanted to go to sc but they just wouldn't let him in with his grades he said coach pruitt said that wouldn't be a problem at ut <laughs> i don't at all doubt that he said that i, I don't i, I don't doubt that i don't either. think that i don't want to play the academics game because other than vanderbilt isn't every school gonna pretty much let you in especially schools that are rebuilding they're going to find a way to get you in. All I know is we knew Bryce Thompson wasn't the smartest with the um, – he was suspended the first three games of 2019. For It sounds like he had a major fight with his girlfriend and lashed out at her, like, across the dorm room for everybody to hear. And this was all about he was allegedly cheating because she found fake eyelashes in his nightstand that were not hers. But the oh. rumors were that Bryce Thompson himself likes to wear the fake eyelashes which no judgment, but if he was cheating and he left the fake eyelashes in his nightstand, you ain't very smart. How do you let yourself get caught like that? <laughs> no, they're just rip off things. It's not like you got a tattoo, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. When we were at SEC media days and Caleb was uh, 
you know, bringing it down after a big coverage, he would just pull his right off. <laughs> he would just pull his fake eyelashes right off. Oh was, my gosh. Dave. And I was like, I thought they would stick more. And he goes, Nope. Uh, you just pull them right off. I was like, okay, well, they look fantastic. Uh, they looked really good. Auburn flips two five-star prospects. Hugh Freeze is Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze might like escorts. Hugh Freeze might cheat. Uh, but Hugh Freeze can evaluate talent, and he can recruit. He got one from Alabama, one from Georgia. How big of a threat is Hugh Freeze? And that takes us to today's tough question. Today's tough question is, who is Tennessee's biggest threat other than Georgia and Alabama? So you would agree that Georgia and Alabama to overcome are the two biggest threats, right? They're going to win most of the battles. Would you agree with that? Yeah, they're absolutely going to win most of the battles. And the thing is, Tennessee, What since since integration, when has Tennessee been at its best in football? The six, late 60s when Bear Bryant had lost his touch before the wishbone and the 90s when Alabama and Georgia were both disasters of programs. So, I mean, that's when they thrive is when Alabama or Georgia are, are not thriving. I just noticed on my Twitter Twitter that one has a blue check mark and one has a green check mark. Do we have any idea what that means? On X, you mean? On the new porn site? <laughs> is that what it's become? Is that what Twitter has become? It, I mean, it looks like a it looks like a thumbnail With graphic for a porn site. Today. All right, today's tough question: Other than Alabama and Georgia, who's the biggest threat for the balls in recruiting? Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right, so here are the four schools that I chose this morning, and you can vote on the Twitter. And it's off the hook. It's OTH Sports Media or the Dave Hooker. One has a blue check mark, one has a green check mark. I have no earthly idea why. But the four that I put up there were Auburn, Florida, South Carolina. Auburn, because it's topical, uh, after the weekend that Hugh Freeze had. Uh, Auburn, Florida, South Carolina, and who was the fourth I had up there? You, the fourth you had up there was Ole Miss. Ole Miss. <laughs> because you got the Lane Kiffin top. All right, so uh, give me the results so far of the Twitter poll that we've uh, put up there because I'm having, I'm getting musked uh, with my navigation of Twitter right now. So what are, what's, what are the percentages right now? And we want to hear it on the message board. Um, go ahead. Uh, good point by SC Scout Guy. I think the Auburn boosters have seriously opened up the checkbook. Amen to that, brother. All right, so go ahead and uh, who do you think? Auburn? South Carolina, Florida, or Ole Miss are Tennessee's, other than Georgia and, and Alabama, Tennessee's biggest threats on the recruiting trail. Which would you pick between those four, Caleb Calhoun? My ranking would be the exact, the exact opposite of our listeners' rankings. Sorry, listeners. Not supposed to berate your own listeners and your audience. Y'all are wrong. Like, y'all are dead wrong. <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, because they have Florida, number one. I got Florida at the bottom. I, I was thinking South Carolina. That came to mind first at the beginning of the show, who they have at the bottom, and I have them in my mind at the top. But I've come around to Auburn, and not just because of these last this last week where they flipped two recruits, but here's the thing. Josh Heupel's recruiting, like on the trail, not in the transfer portal, the selling point's going to be his offense. Who can compete with Josh Heupel better than Hugh Freeze in terms of selling his offense? 
to offense. Well, what about players. Lane Kiffin? I think Lane Kiffin is a great offensive coach, but I think Auburn is in is better positioned to recruit top talent than Ole Miss is. And so, and Lane Kiffin doesn't have a Lane Kiffin is selling himself as an offensive mind, but you know this, Dave. He doesn't have a signature offense. Now that's great. That means he's he can adapt and he's a great offensive coach. But Hugh Freeze and Josh Heupel have a signature offense that they can sell that's proven. Florida has fifty two percent of the vote right now. And they're old school. Old school. That's definitely right. Um, Is it right now? Let's dissect. Auburn, 26% of the vote. Ole Miss, 10% of the vote. South Carolina, 5% of the vote. All right, here's why you should be scared of uh, South Carolina. You have a coach there who's riding some momentum. I don't think it's going to last. Sorry, SC scout guy. I hope I'm wrong about Shane Beamer. I like him as a person. But they have some momentum coming off of last season that will help in recruiting. They have a coach that has openly said and believes that when it comes down to it, it is all about recruiting. He wants to be a CEO type like Philip Fulmer was, and he wants to be Uber recruiter. I mean, Philip Fulmer sometimes would leave practice a little bit early during Vanderbilt and Kentucky week so he could make phone calls to prospects. And I, that was incredibly intelligent because Tennessee was so much better than Kentucky and Vanderbilt at the time. Then you go to Florida. Should you be concerned about Florida? Why? Well, yes, because you want to recruit in Florida, and Billy Napier is the detail-oriented coach. I think Billy Napier actually will end up recruiting well. I don't know if he'll be able to stay around long enough to reap the benefits of that. So I think you should be concerned about Florida. Auburn, to me, is the scariest one because of what SC Scout guy said on our message board, and that is they're opening up the checkbooks. They're going to. They want that program to be significant. They see what Alabama is, and if you can even get in the ballpark of that, we're talking bukus of money, not just athletically, but their enrollment's up something like 38% or something since uh, Saban was, uh, was hired. I mean, they're building new buildings to house more students. Ole Miss, I, that would be my least concerning on this group right now. Long-term, maybe. But again, Ole Miss, there's a glass ceiling of what they have to offer compared to the other schools I've mentioned. So I'm not going to dismiss Florida as number one. I think it's significant. I think Florida and Tennessee will go head-to-head in several recruiting battles, probably a half dozen, eight, somewhere in there in the coming months. And I think Florida probably wins two or three of those, maybe even half. But Auburn is the one that I think should scare everybody in the SEC because Auburn is going to have playing time to offer. They're going to, I think the checkbooks are open. And Q Freeze is an incredible recruiter. Now, maybe some of that was done with money. Maybe all of it was done with money, but I don't think so. I think some was done. I go back to that class where they uh, they got Robert Kimdiche and they got Laquan Treadwell. Um, they got the safety out of Mississippi and suddenly uh, Antonio Connor, I believe it was. So they got Tony O'Connor because he's in state. Treadwell had family that was nearby and Kim DJ's brother played on the, the team. So those three made sense. Is Auburn going to start getting Laramie Tunzel? Laramie Tunzel, it made no sense that he went to the University of Auburn over, I'm sorry, the University of Ole Miss over Alabama or Auburn. That was a pay guy. They paid him. 
I don't think they're going to be able to do that, but I would still argue that Hugh Freeze, 75% of a recruiter, if he doesn't have the cash to throw around, which he does because of NIL, I think he's a heck of a recruiter. I would probably have him as one of the top five recruiters right now in the SEC. Would you? Yeah, easily. And the thing is, Hugh Freeze is such a good recruiter. He was able to be selective about who he went for at Ole Miss. People forget this, but Hugh Freeze's offensive philosophy is, I don't want a receiver under 6'3". That's really the way he coaches and the way he goes about his offense. He wants all big receivers, and he purposely turned down smaller receivers who he could have gotten at Ole Miss, and he's doing the same at Auburn. He's he's Look, Josh Heibel is a thousand times better of a human being than Hugh Freeze, but in terms of people who are like the most competent in their offense – it's Josh Heupel, Hugh Freeze, Chip Kelly. Those three, they know their offense is going to work regardless of who they have in there, and they can be selective because of that to a certain degree. And Hugh Freeze's offense does have a track record, and he beat Nick Saban twice. So whatever you think of him, I mean, the guy is a very good coach, and he hit a ceiling at Ole Miss. I don't think he's – I don't know how long he's going to last because, again – when you're a sociopath like Urban Meyer was, you can only last so long before it comes back to bite you. Um, so I don't know how long he'll last at Auburn, but I mean, you get good, you get six good years out of him. Dave, look at Florida; they had six years with Urban Meyer. They'll take those six years and what they got in those six years any day of the week. It is interesting on our message board how it's all over the place. Travis says it's always going to be Auburn. Uh, SC Scout guy said I think the Auburn boosters have opened up the checkbook, which I mentioned. Rocky Top Tom says Auburn and South Carolina. SC Scout Guy says, I think it has to be Florida. Rocky Top Tom says, wait till Florida shocks some people this year and they start getting some five-star talent down there. That NIL is going to go nuts in Gainesville. And in all fairness, with the Jaden Rashada thing, I mean, they had a quarterback on campus and they didn't have the ability to pay him, which was bizarre. Can you can you imagine a free agent like, uh, I don't know, pick any free agent. Uh, Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets and they say, we're a little short on cash. I mean, that is just so amateur. And that's what happened at Florida. I was told by Frank Rangi, who covers them, they've got their act together, together, and it's getting better. SC Scout guy says, I think Florida, if they get their act together, will be the biggest threat for big five-star players. SC is a threat for all of the really solid three- and four-star players that you have to have. Interesting take. I would agree with that. I think South Carolina is going to be a threat. For the three- and four-star guys, you're going to get higher rankings in Florida. I think Auburn is going to try to land some five-star guys. Ole Miss, you're battling for the three- and four-star guys. And basically, I put them on the list because of Lane Kiffin. So, if you break down those three, yes, I, I would agree with what SC Scott guy says. And that is, uh, I think you're going to battle South Carolina for the three- and four-star guys. The Auburn, the, uh, uh, the Floridas, I think you're going to battle for some big-time talent. I don't think you're going to battle Florida much because I don't think Florida is leading the state of Florida anytime soon. And I don't think they're going to have to, if they but can I, get their act. But I think Tennessee has to go into Florida. Okay. So they might battle Florida for a couple of guys from Florida. That might, that might be true, but I think Tennessee is going to battle Georgia and Alabama. I, I mean, sorry, Auburn and South Carolina more again. They, even in their heyday, Dave, I mean, like think about it in the nineties. Yes. Yeah, Steve Spurrier was the biggest threat, but Tennessee's talent came from Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, and within the state where Spurrier relied on Florida guys. One thing that's scary to me about Florida, and the reason I say they're not going to go national anytime soon and won't have to, 
we just talked about Miami. For those who don't know, Miami's got another booster facing serious legal issues. Could really hold the program back. They could get in trouble again, even in the NIL era. And Miami and Florida State are stuck in the ACC. And as long as they're stuck in the ACC, Florida's got the massive advantage because, the again, $17 million payout for Miami and Florida State, $51 million payout for Florida. Who's going to have more NIL money to get the Florida recruits? It's not even close. No, you would think so. And I, I do think Billy Napier is going to have more success based on people I talked to than I did this time last year. But I don't know that, again, he's going to be there to reap the, the benefits of that. You got some balls dominating NFL camps. Uh, let's touch base on Darnell Wright first. And I noticed this over the weekend, too, as did you. What news did Darnell Wright make? Because it's pretty, pretty impressive. So Darnell Wright accidentally went through the wide receiver workout program that the Bears have rather than the offensive line workout program. And this 6'6", 335-pound offensive tackle reportedly crushed it with the offensive line workout. I mean, with the wide receiver workouts. Crushed it. And that's insane. I mean, we talked about how much of a natural athlete he is. Dave, this is some rare stuff. I was asking my brother on the weekend, could he be the best NFL offensive tackle from Tennessee ever? Like, could he surpass Jack Clifton? Nah, well, I mean, historically, you would have to say probably not, right? I mean, I mean it's, it's just that's pretty. He would have to. Chad Clifton, Clifton has the title right now. If you look at NFL production, no, I agree. But you would have to. You would have to say. I mean, you would have to say he has to move to left tackle, right? Just because we can't, we can't he say can't a right tackle. I mean, yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, just he's. This is freakish what he's doing right now. Yeah, I think you got to watch two things. I think you got to watch, you know, when he gets that big contract in what three, five years, he's going to get a big re up, and you have to see how he responds to that. I mean, let's give Chad Clifton a lot of credit for his longevity, but guys had to be, they had to have good longevity to have financial freedom. They weren't getting the contracts that paid them, you know, thirty million dollars guaranteed. So I always wonder about players when they get that first big contract. I've seen a lot of players get stupid contracts contracts as a Dallas Cowboys fan, and I've seen them go downhill quickly. Not saying that's going to happen to Darnell Wright or anybody else, but sometimes you get that contract and you get even hungrier. Sometimes you don't. So I think that would be the next evolution. But are we having the conversation as long as he's healthy in five years that he's one of the best offensive line prospects to ever come out of Tennessee? I'm all on board with you there. And I think you would be as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, I, I'm trying to remember draft. He's the highest Tennessee offensive line draft pick since Charles McRae and Anton Davis, I think in 1991. And I mean, that's, that's, that's something. I mean, the guy is incredible. It's funny. You say about the one year I, I just went back to baseball. The funniest thing about the steroid era was when you had a random all-star for like two years, got a big contract and he played awful the rest of his life. And it's like, Oh, he did steroids to get his big contract. And then he's like, I'm not doing steroids anymore. I'm not going to risk that on my body. I got the money. <laughs> or even guys that just don't care about winning as much, like Albert Pujols. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he still put up great numbers. But eh, if he just stayed at St. Louis, they would they'd build the biggest statue in the history. It'd be bigger than the arch. That, that contract he got from L.A. had the most ridiculous stipulations in it that were so hilarious. Like a personal bathroom cleaner. and. Well, everybody needs a personal bathroom cleaner. Just some of us marry them. 
All right, former uh, Balls also doing well at the uh, training camp. Tell us about Jalen Hyatt, who is fast. Jalen Hyatt is very, very fast. Ricky Bobby would be very proud. Jalen Hyatt going fast. Wants to go fast. Yeah. He recorded a speed of 24 miles an hour, according to NFL Rookie Watch, at the Giants training camp. The fastest speed in recorded history to that point was Tyreek Hill at 23.2 miles an hour. Now, Dave, tell me, 0.8 in a 40 time is a significant difference. Oh, dude. I don't know if it's the same with miles per hour, but it seems like 23.2 versus 24 is a gigantic gap between Jalen Hyatt and everybody else. I also don't know. I mean, because his 40 time was what, 4.49? Yes, but remember, he was hurt when he ran that 40. Okay. Um... But I still got questions about his immediate get off. I mean, is he going to hit top speed often if he's running different routes? Or are they going to make him like Alvin Harper, who just basically ran the fly route to stretch the field every single down? Well, if the Giants have the ball on their own one yard line, then they need a touchdown. He takes off sprinting. They got Daniel Jones just chucks it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a touchdown every time. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's listen there's no question he's fast he's top end fast though which would be the only thing that would concern me as a giants fan is is he uh going to be you can't move really the ball with him as a possession receiver yeah yeah you can't move the ball that's more tillman right i know i make i know i make the comparison a lot but i thought tillman and hyatt last year would be michael Irvin and alvin harper it as it turns out jalen hyatt had to do a lot more and we didn't see what Tillman truly could be because of injuries. But one guy was the underneath guy. One guy was to take the safety off the top. And uh, I think Jalen Hyatt brings that to you. Now, is Jalen Hyatt, who admittedly has said that he wasn't all in football before the 2021 season, does he get frustrated if he's running fly routes and catching one or two balls per game as opposed to the guy who's running a bunch of underneath stuff and he catches – you know, eight balls a game. Is he going to be happy with that? Because Alvin Harper wasn't and went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that was a disaster where a trainer accidentally cut off part of his pinky when he was taking off a bandage. You oh, didn't wow. know that. Did you? I did not. That, that, that's the same thing. Tyrod Taylor had happened to him. A couple you never want to, you never want a trainer or a doctor to say, oops. <laughs> 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 that's probably what that guy said when he cut off part of his pinky. Oops. And this isn't Jason Pierre-Paul. Alvin Harper I mean, kind of needs his pinky to catch balls, doesn't he? Like, you kind of yes. need that. Yeah, Jason Pierre-Paul can be the penguin from Batman as long as he wants to. But that doesn't affect him nearly as much as a receiver. Yes. You get that? <laughs> we had the three-finger uh, thing going on. For yeah, those I, I've seen <laughs> that Batman Returns. Yes, Batman Returns was very good. Yes, the so worst you- Batman series of all time. The whole, that whole Tim Burton Batman series was trash. But, um, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Show for another day. Tennessee's top offensive lineman and who they we uh, who they produce. Smoky Hot Takes coming up next. The 10 greatest seasons in history by a Tennessee offensive lineman. Two minutes, and we're back with Caleb Calhoun on Dave Hooker off the sports. To own the more that owns every job, then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. 
At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Welcome back to the program. We're with you each and every weekday live at 10 a.m. on YouTube and wherever you podcast. So be a part of the fun. And also know that you can go to offthehooksports.com for commentary and news on the balls. And it all starts this week as camp will open. Here we go. It is time. All right. So Caleb Calhoun, you wrote a column on the top 10 um, offensive line seasons in the country. And uh, first, though, um, before we get to that, we have uh, breaking news. Tennessee has a commitment. So what do we got, Caleb Calhoun? Yes, Tennessee has added. It's funny because we are talking about offensive linemen. And Tennessee has added a huge pickup from Sugarland, Texas, Bennett Warren. Six foot seven and a half, 330 pounds offensive tackle. Dave, we've talked for a while that these are the type of guys Josh Heupel needs to win battles against. He needs to win battles for and needs to get. And he beat out Michigan for this guy out of Texas. This is, I mean, you can't undersell this type of pickup for Tennessee, given what we said Heupel needs to be able to do, right? Uh, no. And I wrote a column last week how, yeah, get excited about the, 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 class that Tennessee has put together, but they're not winning the big time battles on the offensive line. And um, 
I guess in response, Josh Heupel said, well, I'm going to go pick one up to go ahead and tell Dave that he's dead wrong. But uh, tell us more about Bennett. Yeah, so he's six foot, seven and a half, 300 pounds. Jaru has done a lot of great writing on him, covering him throughout the week. He was, everything seemed like he was going to go to, I believe, Michigan earlier in the week, last week. But then, like, people started changing their 247 sports crystal balls and flipped it to him trending to Tennessee over the weekend. So I don't know what happened over the weekend that changed things. But this is, again, six, seven, six, 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 seven and a half, 330 pounds coming out of Texas. Some people, rival state has him listed at 6'8". And so he's going to play tackle for Tennessee. This is a – he look, if Gerald Mincy doesn't work out in 20 and has to come back in 2024, this is a guy – this is the type of guy you could see – taking a starting job as a freshman on the line, which, as you know, it's easier to take a starting job at tackle than guard. Now, Tennessee landed him, and he's a four-star prospect. But when you look at his list of Brigham Young, Colorado State, Florida, and Florida State, it's not a wow-me list. I mean, Florida State's hot. Florida is Florida. But when you look at his list of, of other close suitors, does that concern you at all? No, because – Michigan, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma were also targeting him pretty heavily, too. And even though Texas A&M is a disaster of a program, they're still in the recruiting battles with everybody because their NIL initiative is insane. And so they're still – and they're in Texas. So they're actually okay. It seemed like – according to reports, it seemed like they kind of started to pull ahead in June, and that's when people started to flip their crystal balls – but, you know, just to think about it, I mean, this comes on Tennessee landing Max Anderson, another offensive tackle from Texas, guard William Satterwhite. So their offensive line class all of a sudden looks better than it did about a month ago. And they now are number nine in 247 sports composite behind Georgia and Florida. I still maintain they're not done. They've got a lot of other people they're targeting. But this is a there's no I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. For a Sugarland guy, guy from Sugarland, Texas, no sugarcoating it. <laughs> he is a, I think he's a really, really, really big pickup. And again, there's a little bit of, yeah, I think there's a little bit of more of a de- development that's required of him than you see from other guys. But again, six seven, three thirty, reportedly very athletic. I mean, that you can't teach those things. No, you can't. And you, you would think he would be a natural tackle at that size and you had Michigan uh, coming at him really hard. You mentioned Texas A&M as well, even though they weren't technically in his final list of suitors. So this uh, let's give credit being reported by uh, Steve Wiltfong. And the thing that I like about Bennett or Warren is that he, he looked around at a bunch of schools and I think it looks like he made a business decision. He didn't just get wowed and go with school X. I mean, I think when you look at Brigham Young, when you look at some other schools that he looked at, he didn't get wowed by the recruiting process. And, you know, I think that most oftentimes, other than quarterback, Bennett, that offensive linemen are the smartest guys in the group. So with uh, Bennett Warren, I think you're going to get a a really smart young man. And and I think that you're also going to get, he went to private school, and I think you're going to get, more along the lines of just a natural tackle. I think John Campbell's an example of that too. But it seems like Tennessee has had a lot of guys that could play guard or tackle, whereas now they're maybe picking guys that they know where they're going to play when they get to college. But this is a monster pickup, a four-star prospect. You look at 
more of uh, a Bennett and his break, uh, Warren and his breakdown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he is just one of the top offensive line prospects in the nation. There's no uh, arguing that. He's 143 overall prospect nationally. He's the 25th prospect in Texas, which is really good. And then he's the eighth best offensive tackle in the nation. Now, listen, guys, I've told you, the one potential Achilles heel for Tennessee right now in their growth is next year when they potentially have to rebuild an offensive line that had some Pruitt guys on and not Pruitt if you want to, but he was good at evaluating talent, and he also liked mean streaks, which he got particularly with Cooper Mays. And then you've got Bennett Warren, who I don't know if he has a mean streak or not, but that's a guy you went out and targeted and got. And I think it's just a monstrous, monstrous get by Tennessee. Yes, and he is, depending on which service you go to, he actually is considered as high as potentially as the number one offensive tackle in the state of Texas. It's one or two. 247 Sports generic has him number one. 247 Sports Composite has him number two in the state of Texas behind Blake Ivey, who is from League City, who is trending to Texas A&M. But either way, a top two offensive tackle in the state of Texas is, I mean, that's that's really, really good. That's exactly the type of offensive lineman you need. I don't know if this is updated or not, but to me, I'm looking at the 247 Sports, and I've got him number five offensive tackle in the composite number eight. So well, that's, look- that's nationally. I'm not, I'm, I'm saying Actually. in the state of Texas. Yeah, in the state oh. of Texas, number two offensive tackle and number one um, overall. Now, Rivals, I'm pulling up Rivals right now, and Rivals has him the number 16 offensive tackle. But I, Rivals names everybody a tackle on the line, so they're, they're a lot less specific. But they, and they have him the number 44 player in Texas, so a little bit lower with Rivals. And if you were going to go to on three, which I, I, I do take into account now and some value. I believe he's the number 29 ranked offensive tackle national or number 29 ranked player in Texas, number 13 ranked offensive tackle. But again, two, four, seven sports composite, which takes all these things together has him at number as the second best offensive tackle in Texas and a top 10 offensive tackle nationally. Yep. Tough not to get excited by him. And you said that moved them from 10 to nine in the national rankings. Yes, but I, I'm looking at it now, and I think it might move them higher because I don't believe these national rankings are fully updated, actually. So I think they might have been nine before the day started. There so were now 10 when I wrote about that they needed big guys last week. Right. So, and I, but, you know, they could have moved up because another team lost a decommitment. They're gotta, supposed to be instantaneous, but you often wonder if it takes uh, – See, they're yeah. already up to eight now. When I just told you they're nine, I, I, I see them now at eight, funny enough. So, so maybe we just stay on the air and they get it to number one by the end of the day because we're the good luck charm. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So Tennessee picks up a big one out of Sugarland, Texas. It is Bennett Warren. And that's the type of guy that Tennessee has to win those battles. They have to get four or five of those a year because only half are going to pan out for whatever reason. And that's those are the numbers that George is getting. They're getting – four, five, or six, four-star or better a year. And if you want to be able to, to man up and push people around, and Tennessee does, but despite all the throwing the football around, they want to push people around as well. So this is the type of guy to do it. I don't think there's any question about that. So Bennett Warren, huge, huge pickup for the Vols. No question about it. So 
in case you haven't checked it out, because it is awesome and you should, uh, a great piece by the one, the only uh, Caleb Calhoun on the 10 greatest single seasons in history by Tennessee offensive lineman. How did you go about judging this? I don't think you went back and looked at all of the tape uh, and graded them individually, but the 10 best season teaser, 10 best seasons by Tennessee offensive lineman. That's not easy to say. So I looked at where Tennessee, I, I looked at a few things. I looked at accolades because there were, you have to take that into account, but Tennessee sure. has, I think like 17, 18 all Americans. So you can't just, just put that in. And I think sometimes they get, they get it wrong. Who should be an all American each year. And then I looked at who was the primary blocker when there was a year of high productivity by Tennessee's offensive line and high productivity is easy to judge. It's how many times was the quarterback sacked and how good were your rushing stats? I mean, it's pretty much that simple. And I took those things into account, and that's how I kind of came up with my 10. So you had Anthony Parker completely agree with in 2007, Bob Suffrage in 1939. Then you had Michael Munoz in 2004. I thought Munoz was a little bit disappointing. Why did you have him on the list? Uh, I think Munoz was a little bit disappointing relative to what was expected of him. But don't forget that 2004 team had 2,000-yard rushers. The only team in Tennessee history to do that with Joe Riggs Jr. and Cedric Houston. In my mind, I'm like, you got to have somebody from that. They had two 1,000-yard rushers, and they had three different quarterbacks that started a game that year because Brent Schaefer and Eric Gange then both got hurt. Rick Paulson has to come in. And they helped Tennessee win the East, almost win the SEC title. And Munoz was the primary blocker of that team. I thought Aaron Sears was better. It was really hard for me to leave Aaron Sears off this list from 2006, but Tennessee's run game was so horrid in 2006. Not necessarily Sears' fault, but the offensive line actually got a little better after he left in 2007. Ted Daffer, 1951. His nickname was Ted Daffer Duck. Did you know that? Did not know that. That's actually funny. It was not, but you had to pick a 1951 guy for sure because they were undefeated and really good. Then you got Darnell Wright at uh, number six overall. I got no argument with this. I might have had him higher, to be honest with you. Yeah, Darnell Wright, uh, 2022. It, I, I couldn't, it's shocking to me when I looked at Tennessee's All Americans that he wasn't an All American this past year. I mean, I thought the Will Anderson, again, voters are prisoner of the moment. If the Alabama game happens in November, Darnell Wright's an All American, isn't he? With what he did to Will Anderson. Like, if that game happens November the 18th, Darnell Wright is a first-team unanimous All-American, no questions asked. Yes. And, yeah. So, I think Darnell Wright, I I have him. I could have had him higher. There's some others that are crucial. But, yeah, I, I, I thought number six was fair. Ted Daffer blocked for the first Heisman runner-up in Tennessee history, Hank Laricella, who should have won in 51. There you go. Chip Kell in 1970, uh, you had... Uh, Fred Weary, I got no argument with that, in 2001. Bob Johnson, 1967. Cozy Coleman in 1998. I might have had him over uh, number – I might have had him number one, but you had Eric Steele, 1989. Why Steele over Tillman – or over or Coleman? Coleman? Well, Coleman, it was really – I thought Coleman was a collaborative effort between Coleman and Chad Clifton – honestly on that side and both were amazing by the way and it was I thought Coleman was better so I gave it to Coleman but Eric still was the primary blogger for the 89 team that switched quarterbacks with Andy Kelly to Sterling Hinton and I'm sorry Sterling Hinton to Andy Kelly and Dave that's the greatest rushing season in Tennessee football history if you look at the numbers and they went from Reggie Cobb to Chuck Webb seamlessly no issues Charles McRae Anton Davis were both bigger NFL stars and were on that line but in college Eric still was the 
star blocker for that group. Yep. Monstrous pickup again for Tennessee. Uh, Bennett Warren is Tennessee's newest commitment four-star offensive line prospect out of Sugar Land, Texas. Big stuff. Go to offthehooksports.com for more. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.